As a Club Ireland member, you can experience the beautiful game like never before. Savour the hospitality, the excitement on the pitch and the best premium seats in the Aviva Stadium from just €100 Euro per match. With three, five and ten-year Club Ireland membership, you can enjoy exclusive football experiences, priority on away tickets and an evening with Mick McCarthy. It really is a match day with more. Visit fai.ie forward slash Club Ireland and be at the heart of it all. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. The movies this week are Goon and Slapshot. I don't know. Are they about sports? For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Brian has not made his situation better. He's actually made his situation worse. Are you planning to make a sarcastic comment in response to Brian's comment so I don't have to? You really should, because it'd be funny. Oh, hey, oh he's back. Ah, shit. Really? It was like a clever ruse to trick us into saying. It's like I'll trick him into saying something negative about me. Watch this. As soon as I hit send, it popped up finally. I was like, Jesus Christ! But I went from like one bar of internet to like a full thing of internet now. Just had to refill it. Picked up some more of that there internet. Yeah, had to run to the store real quick. In my head, you just like killed the neighbor and unhooked their internet, so it would take up less of the neighborhood bandwidth or something. <laughs> Maybe just hook their good internet up to my internet. Listen, cat, you're usually the well-behaved cat. There's no such thing as a well-behaved cat. Not today, motherfucker. Well, instead of talking about our favorite pastime, maybe we should talk about Canadians' favorite pastime: curling. Well, not curling. Listen, if you push your luck, I'll select curling movies for the next show. <laughs> Santa sleigh and... Mo- moose hunting? Oh, no. We will be watching Men with Brooms. Don't worry. <laughs> Weird named lakes. <laughs> oh, it's gotta be it's gotta be hockey, of course. Of course. And weirdly enough, Noah is the one who picked these movies. Indeed. So what is it that made you pick these specific movies, Noah? Uh, well, besides just being nice to Doug for once, uh, I actually do yeah, really, I'm really... I'm suspicious about that, by the way. <laughs> no, I was I was going to say, uh, up, up front, I'm a big fan of Goon, and I'd never actually seen Slapshot, even though it's kind of a weirdly famous movie in that weird genre kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I was like, meh, 70s, 70s semi-exploitation movie about hockey. Might as well give that a go, right? Ho- hockey exploitation. 
seems like it should be a bigger thing. I agree. Is there some hockey exploitation movies? I know there was that weird one with Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, uh, Youngblood. Does, mm. does sudden death count? Mm. Maybe. I want to say there was one called Thin Ice 2 that was similar. But nah, I can't remember. Did you say Thin Ice 2? No, no. It was called Thin Ice. Oh, okay. Thin Ice 2? We don't even know what happened to Thin Ice 1. That's where I got confused. <laughs> it's like it's like Pool Boy Two. There is no one, only two. I don't need to know what you were watching on the internet late last night. That's not important. Pool Boy Two. It's got Kevin Sorbo in it. No, I don't know what that is, and I don't want to know what that is. It's a really good, funny movie with a, uh, a weird uh, actor who, despite the fact that nerds love him, can't shut the fuck up on social media and saying <laughs> dumb shit. Ah, uh, just like Dean Kane. Ah, oh, Dean Kane. No, <laughs> you were Superman. You guys know a lot more about these people's social media. Uh, yeah. It's only because Dean Kane like co-hosted Fox Fox News for Dead. like a day or something, and all the shit that was coming out of his mouth, I'm just like, oh no, Superman, no. Luckily, you were the ro- low rent Superman. There is a movie called Thin Ice. Came out in 2011, but it has nothing to do with hockey. From what I nah, can tell. I was thinking older than that. Maybe I'm just making it up. Well, why don't we start off, Doug? Why don't you tell oh. us about Slapshot? Hang on, there's a movie called Thin Ice from 1981. I'm not sure if it's about hockey or not. <laughs> Once I get this figured out, then we'll move on to the movies we're talking about this week. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I'll do this later. Um, Slapshot is. Yeah, because I was going to have Noah do it, but then I remembered Noah has questions. So. Yeah, I, which I don't. I'm not sure what they are. But. Uh, so, Slapshot is a movie starring Paul Newman as the player slash coach on a uh, kind of very low level professional hockey club. Uh, the movie opens up as the town that they're in is uh, the, the big steel mill or whatever it is it's announced that that's closing so the team is very likely to fall because it's kind of one of those towns where everybody works at the mill so if uh, there's no mill there's no entertainment industry in that town anymore Uh, around the same time management brings in three new guys who look like they might be uh, ready to start up some shit so player coach Reg Dunlop implements a plan of uh basically turning the team into a bunch of fighters to see if he can raise their profile and uh, try and manipulate things, hoping that he can either get the team. It's not really clear what exactly what his plan is. At one point it becomes um, he's trying to get the team sold so that they'll move and he won't have to retire because he knows he's too old to sign on with another team. Um, at other points, he's more or less just trying to keep himself uh trying to get a coaching gig for himself. Uh, Absolute hilarity ensues. There's blood everywhere. There's uh, a subplot about the one college-educated player on the team who has no particular interest in this style of hockey and is trying to convince them all to uh, play a more uh, traditional old-school-style game. And, uh, yeah, things play out as they do. It finally ends with a championship game which is made up of this team 
the Charlestown Chiefs versus a cartoonish bunch of villains that have been brought in to play with the other team. And all hell breaks loose until uh, Ned Braden decides to do a strip tease, and somehow that wins them the game. Because that's how much these people respect the sport of hockey. They think that that's in the rule book that if you take off enough of your clothes, you automatically win. I don't think that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Not exactly. No. Has more to do with like the uh, captain of the opposing team assaulting the ref because he refuses to put a stop to the striptease. <laughs> Which is still not how hockey works, just so we're clear. If one guy punches a ref, his team doesn't forfeit. They just kick that guy off the, off the ice. So. Hmm. Uh, I refer to this in my own mind as Major League, but with hockey. Yep. Not completely unreasonable. Because <laughs> really, the plot's not too far. Go no. on. No, when I, when I was a kid, this was the double feature. Back in like the days when everything was on VHS, so you'd watch the same movies over and over again. This was the double feature. It was Major League and Slam Shot. I, I would argue that Major League uh, is better plot. Because there's like an arc to it. I'm not denying that. But I can see the same beats in both movies, though. Right. Kind of. So was this a comedy? Is that what was going on? Yes. You didn't find the handsome brothers hilarious? <laughs> I didn't I'm gonna I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest. Like the first like fifteen minutes of this movie had me like really sold and I was like, Oh man, this is gonna be so awesome. And then I kinda sat there and I was like, Is it supposed to be funny? What the fuck are they doing? When, like, okay. what is the point of anything happening on, in the during this entire movie? What what is supposed to be going on? Well, I mean, the, I think the plot is pretty straightforward. The movie is definitely it's from the seventies, and it wears that on its sleeve in the wardrobe, in the sound uh, track, and in the filmmaking style. It's definitely a me- like one of that meandering type thing where there's a bunch of little subplots about characters who are troubles at home and stuff like that that don't really matter that much there's the maurice the side character who's just uh just there to basically be the jay muse of the film and just (laughs) going on about women the whole time but i I don't i guess i'm having a little trouble understanding where you got lost were you lost at the part where they were playing hockey were you lost at the part where he was trying to manipulate the press into creating this story no, the team. no no i got that but like where's there's like no plot art what like once again what is what is the point of this movie what point is this movie trying to make i think it's making a point so much as just telling a nice little story about a team that's losing and decides to use uh excessive over the top violence to win see but like a story to to steal one of your normal points in the show, a story has like a beginning, a middle, and an end. And yeah. this story is all middle. It's all middle. Like there's no. No, there's no the, at the beginning, no, nobody nobody learns anything except maybe at the end, the one guy who's like not cheating decides that like maybe acting like an asshole is. The best way to go. I, I think that's no, the point. I, I think you're. I think you're correct in saying that none of these characters really learn a lesson. 
Um, you know, we have like a lot of guys who go from not wanting to beat the shit out of everybody to wanting to beat the shit out of everybody. I can agree with that. But as far as the story goes, there's certainly an arc. They go from a losing team and they start doing all this crazy shit and it gradually helps them come together as a team and win. And it helps them build a giant fan base. And there's the, like they said, the subplot about them trying to get the team sold, which comes to a crashing halt at the end when they finally bring the owner of the team in on their little plan and find out that the owner just isn't really interested because they're better off as a tax loss than they are as a hockey team. Right. Like I, I, I think you're not, it's not unreasonable to say there's no character arcs, but there are story arcs. I, I suppose, but they feel like story arcs that like, don't, they don't go anywhere. Well, in a sports movie, going from a losing team to a winning team counts as a story arc. It is a sports movie. Yeah. But usually even in a sports movie, they like, learn the thing at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, but this is a, this is a they, 70s sports movie. That's what I'm it, saying. It's it's like a it's like we're watching the prequel to a post-apocalyptic movie where yeah. the apocalypse started in hockey. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, yeah, this, no, like, is, like, this is pre-rollerball. Yeah, like yeah. no, but they, this, yeah. this is a 70s sports movie. They all learn the they all learn the life lesson. We're going to come together. We're going to play old time hockey, just like Toe Blake, just like Eddie Shore. And then somebody's like, "Yeah, but you're going to lose, and then you might not get contracts to go play somewhere else." And the next thing you know, they're all out there. They've thrown their life lessons out the fucking window, <laughs> and they're beating the shit out of everybody because they want. They just. They don't care. They just want to win. They just want to do it. You're right. It's 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 kind of a nihilistic view of the sports world. Which I mean, again, seventies. Well, no, no, and I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I think I think my biggest problem is this is a comedy movie that to me it's it's not funny. Like, I mean, if you don't, I mean, comedy is subjective, so I won't. Like I wouldn't necessarily try to convince someone to laugh at something. If you don't find it funny, you don't find it funny. But there are certainly plenty of jokes at the expense of the French Canadian players. There's guys skating down the ice and like holding their stick up and like smacking everybody else in the head as they skate by the opposing team's bench. You do recognize that that's not normal in a hockey setting, right? Right. Like that doesn't happen often. But it's but it's also not very funny. You don't think that's funny? I think it's funny to see guys get in the head of the hockey stick. I mean, I think it's like, it's kind of funny, but it's not. Like, once we get into Goon, like, Goon has a lot of stuff that's legitimately funny. Well, again, again. And I would argue that Goon, despite the fact that it's sold as a comedy movie, I don't think it is. (laughs) No, we'll get into Goon. I have a lot of very positive things to say about the non-comedy aspects of that film. But like, like I think you're just saying, well, it's not funny. Well, it's not funny to you, okay? Like that's your opinion of the film. But I, like, literally twenty minutes ago, was laughing out loud at the slap shot, and I've seen it dozens of times. So some of us find it funny. I, w- I would also say, is it maybe a sports thing, Noah? Because like me and you are not really into sports at all. No, no, absolutely, and I know, like, because I read, I I went around and read a bunch of stuff on it, because I was like, well, I don't get it, and this movie is held in really, really high regard Mm -hmm. by a lot of people, 
And so I wanted to be like, okay, maybe there's like inside baseball stuff that I'm just not understanding. Because well, yeah, I just like I don't in, fucking get it. In the <laughs> in the seventies in hockey, there was a lot of violence. Um, it was probably the most violent era in in sports history, and there was a lot of the there was a lot of people protesting that, saying like, hey, cut that shit out, basically. Um, you know, somebody's going to get killed, that kind of attitude. And a lot of other people who are saying, fuck that shit. It, um, I think what you tend to get, when there's a lot of commentary in this film, I think, about it, is if your team's winning by being violent, then you're all in favor of it. <laughs> and if your team's losing because they got the shit beat out of them, uh, then violence is ruining this sport, and those guys are nothing but a bunch of goons. And, you know, and I think you see a lot of that go on in this movie. Um, the the one radio announcer guy, Jim Carr, he like literally at one point he's he's like bad mouth. I can't believe these guys would do this. And then as soon as they start, winning, well, I know I've said things about them in the past, and it's like, yeah, that was a minute and a half ago. <laughs> and that's that's what they're doing there is they're mocking the people that do that. And when they go to like the other towns, and the other towns are like protesting them, they're they're playing, they're having fun with all that stuff that was actually going on in the sports world back then. Right. Which I mean, I would might not be obvious to somebody who didn't know that stuff going in, but right. Cause I would say from, from my perspective, there's really only two interesting things about the entire movie. And that's the, uh, what are they called? The Hanson brothers, which they're hilarious. Cause they're basically just fucking idiots who do whatever the coach tells them to do. But they get a shit ton of screen time. So for you to say, like, oh, there was nothing funny in the movie, and then say the Hansons are hilarious. <laughs> like the opening scene where well, they but, find the ice is like four minutes long of them just doing crazy shit. I, I was going to say, but but once again, most of their screen time isn't funny. Them playing with like RC cars in the hotel, that's pretty funny because it's just random because you're like, what the fuck are they doing? I fucking cool. love that. Like, you broke the darn car. Right. <laughs> We, when we meet those guys, for people who maybe haven't seen the movie, when we meet the Hanson brothers, like the coach goes to pick them up at the train station, they've just been traded to the uh, traded to the team, and they're the three of them are beating the crap out of a fucking soda machine because it took their it took their quarter or whatever, and they're like, there's three of them just pounding and wailing on the thing. He's like, oh, the fucking machine took my quarter. It's hilarious to watch these idiots behave and then to see them get on the ice and be the maniacs that they are is awesome. Right. So so them and then the fact that Paul Newman plays a complete sleaze bag. Yep. Which is <laughs> something about that's so fucking weird because Paul Newman's such a genuinely like good person in a lot of ways. He does play a Canadian sleaze bag. <laughs> he does. I'm just saying, I, I haven't seen the full uh, filmography of Paul Newman, but generally the character that he plays in this movie, not who he plays. That's no. not his shtick. But he is a real smooth talking guy. That's kind of a thing with him, I believe. I don't know. I'm not 100% up to date on my Paul Newman knowledge either. So I've seen him in this. This is my this is my main knowledge of Paul Newman. Right. Road to Perdition? I've seen it. I mean, I've seen him in other things. I'm not trying to say I haven't, but I, this is my main knowledge of Paul Newman. When I see him in other things, I think of him as the guy from Slapshot. Okay, I was, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain because I was kind of hoping that this was going to be 
because judging by the very beginning of the movie, like when the they first set the like Hanson brothers loose and stuff, and they come back and they're like absolutely covered in blood. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is going to be like a an uber violent hockey exploitation movie. That that's going to be you great. And don't instead, you it's don't consider this uber violent. No, because I think most of the rest of the violence is cartoony. It's not like that. That opening salvo that they come in with gives you the wrong impression of where the movie's going and once again it like it doesn't commit to being this hyper violent exploitation movie and it doesn't really commit to being a comedy other than like weird badly timed dirty jokes that and I like dirty jokes I think there's, there's like a lot of Paul, Paul Newman's character who's trying to, you know, the the trying to fuck. I can't remember what the the good guy's name is, but basically trying to fuck his wife over and over again just to piss him off to get him to fight during hockey. Yeah, he's a coach. His job is to motivate guys. Right, but at the yeah, same he- time. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, other than the fact that he's a skis bag, which I get that he's a skis bag, but yeah. a whole lot of the film is dedicated to that. And and in the end, I guess it kind of works in a, in a way, only he doesn't become violent. He just sees his wife with makeup on for the first time and decides to do a, a, a pointless strip tease in the middle of a hockey game. Which works, but I don't. I don't think he had a plan. No, I don't think he had a plan. I think I, he, he realized he shouldn't take everything so seriously. That yeah. was his character arc by the end. Which is, it's a weak character arc, and it, and it does feel a little like the ending is how the fuck are we gonna end this? Right? Like it's mm-hmm. again, again, it's the seventies, so it's a non-ending. Yeah, is, and even like I find the. They try to tack on a, ha- a bit of a happy ending where Reg announces that he's got like a coaching gig coming up, but you can tell he's full of shit and he, there isn't really a happy ending. Like he's lying and saying there's a happy ending to the movie because he's telling like his ex-wife who he's been trying to get back with the whole movie. He's telling her one thing, and then he's turning around telling other people different things. Like during the, he's already lying and scheming for next season during the parade to celebrate their victory. <laughs> which like i personally find hilarious but i also think it's it's a nice little like if you just want to sit back and watch this as a comedy film sounds like a happy ending this guy got his new contract he's gonna try to get his other players signed up there as well but really he's clearly lying to everyone and he's probably not gonna have this like great new coaching career right yeah so the questions i have since i don't really know much about hockey we have like a minor league team in town, and I've gone to see him a couple times with friends that enjoy hockey. But I, I don't, I don't really know much else about hockey. So, were they not required to wear helmets in the seventies? No. Good lord! As recently as like the last, no, this is at the NHL level, but the last like NHL level player that was grandfathered into not being required to wear a helmet was like in ninety one or ninety two. Madness. Goalies didn't wear masks until like the sixties. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole time. I'm just like, why? 
why is only that like one dude wearing a helmet? Like nobody else is. It would have been rare to wear a helmet back then. Good lord. So, uh, but that part is just that just comes with the territory of when this film was made. Yeah, and then like the Hanson brothers are like famous from this movie. Yeah. Like, oh, it's the Hanson brothers. It's great. And I don't, I guess I don't really know why. Like, they're fucking they're, awesome. They're okay, but I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I don't understand the mass appeal. Because they the- are fucking psychotic people in the ice. You run around. <laughs> They're one step away from Happy Gilmore taking his skate off and trying to stab a guy. I don't know what not to love about that. <laughs> the most they go, they go into the crowd and beat the shit out of an entire crowd of people because somebody throws keys on the ice at them. Right. I was gonna say the most entertaining thing about them was whenever I was reading the trivia and found out that like two of them are actually brothers in real life and they actually had a third brother that also played uh, semi-professional hockey with them and he was supposed to play the third brother but something happened and he couldn't be in it so they brought in an actor to play the third brother even though there actually is a third brother it's really weird well, the, the, the best part is like the third guy they brought in his last name's Hanson and the two brothers last name isn't Hanson yeah. <laughs> so it's like there's two brothers that play, uh, two of the three of them are brothers and one of them's named Hanson but there's no crossover hmm yeah, so I I don't know. I thought the movie was okay. I I wasn't in love with it. It was one of those movies though that like everybody talks about. So it's kind of like oh yeah, I'm kind of excited to watch this movie. I've never seen it before. Then, like I, th- I think it appeals to like the like the slapsticky humor element of it, which mm-hmm. can be for or against. I think you can if you're a hockey fan, it's great. Um, like personally, I. I don't know. Like, I, to me, it's like you watch the opening scene of this movie, or like to say the first ten minutes, and you've already had the interview with the, the French Canadian goalie trying to explain hockey to the American reporter, and mm-hmm. then you get a little bit of hockey, and then you get the fashion show scene where the guy whips his dick out of the crowd. At, at that point in the movie, you've gotten what's here to get. Like, there's still a lot more violence to come, but at mm-hmm. that point, like, you're either in or you're out on the movie. I it's- think. And I'm hard in every time. Like when when there's like the scene where the guy says he's gonna wiggle his dick at the crowd because they're forcing all the hockey players to pee in a fashion show. And when he walks out, then you just hear the crowd all screaming, and you, they're behind like a curtain, so you can't see what's happening. I, it's a laugh out loud moment for me. Still watching this movie now, like in, I don't know, I've seen this. I can't even count the number of times I've seen this movie. Is there a running joke in hockey about? like goalies either being idiots or not as respected on the team as everyone else. It's more that goalies are crazy because they're the guy that like everybody else is trying to shoot a puck and they're the guys that choose to stand in front of it. So they're kind of nuts. Goalies tend to like it. When we get to goon, like there's the goalie that talks to his posts. There are in real goalies doing that in the NHL and you can see them on TV talking to their it's you know yeah goalies are known as the crazy guy in the team interesting i don't know i know in letter kitty uh they they there's a lot about hockey and a lot of the hockey jokes seem to be direct derivatives of this movie yeah that's probably true like with the the hansen brothers the parroting where somebody in the locker room's like come on boys and then they're all like yeah come on boys <laughs> yeah, 
That's because everybody does that because like all Canadians are required to watch Slapshot before they're allowed to play hockey, and then you all do that in the dressing room when you're growing up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I thought the movie was okay, but uh, uh, I don't. Know. I wasn't in love with it. But I do enjoy movies like Major League. I enjoy that movie. And uh, Necessary Roughness, just because Scott Bakula is one of the greatest actors of our time. <laughs> We're pulling the Necessary Roughness card out. Yeah. We don't talk enough Sinbad on this. I've always said that. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. that movie too long to comment on it. Scott Bakula, that's all you need to know. It's a solid point. Yeah, I don't, like for me, like I'll fully admit, Slapshot is like, it's a hockey movie. I love hockey. It's a 70s movie that's probably my favorite era of filmmaking. Yeah. It's funny. It's violent. It's it has a lot of things in it that like are directly there to appeal to me. And weirdly enough, like if you're wondering about the quality of the film, it is Paul Newman. It is like the same director that worked with him in like Cool Head Luke and shit, right? Like it's like it's like weirdly like it's like this like really good group of filmmakers that got together to make this so it is well shot it is well executed um yeah like it's i guess it's not unreasonable for people who aren't interested in those things mm. I, like i'm the, the one thing that's really bugging me about this discussion is noah saying like oh it doesn't commit to being violent and i'm like how long do they go without blood on screen in this movie like the whole time i don't, I don't know it's constant it's there's just constant blood and guts all over the screen, like a fucking Rambo movie on ice kind of thing. It's I don't I don't know maybe I don't know. Like I said, I I it's an okay movie. I can't I can't recommend it because I don't get it. Like I don't get anything about this movie. I just don't. I don't understand. I still don't understand what you don't get. I don't. I doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't resonate with me. To me, I the, the fact that this movie has a giant following like why because a lot of people enjoy seeing other people get hit with hockey sticks and i'm fascinated to find out that you're not a person who enjoys that because <laughs> it I, seems like you like watching other movies where people get hit with shit i and i do i just in this movie it just doesn't I, like i said i don't know it doesn't speak to me i don't know what the the term for that is i don't like, have i don't have any emotional resonance with this movie I don't get that. Like, I understand, like, okay, like, the hockey stuff might not be as funny to you. Some of the jokes that are clearly, like, Canada jokes, I understand, like, making fun of the French Canadians and stuff might not work if you're grown up in a culture where that was a constant joke. But, again, just, like, the comedy and the violence for me is top-notch, and I just don't see how that's not appealing to you, considering the other movies you watch where you'll say, like, just if there's some good punching, that's enough. Yeah, because it's entertaining punching. And once again, I'm not saying that this isn't. I'm saying that it doesn't like resonate with me. So I just don't get any. Like I said, you you think it's a a hilarious movie, but I think it's not very funny. And you think it's a violent movie, but I watched the same movie and I don't think it's all that violent. I think I it's don't. cartoony, like people punching each other in the same way that like people get punched in a Leslie Nielsen movie that doesn't make a Leslie Nielsen movie there's, there's, violent. 
I would suggest there's more blood in, in this than in any Leslie and then all the Leslie right, Nielsen. Right. No, no. And <laughs> I, would, I don't I don't entirely disagree with that. I'm just I'm just saying to me it just doesn't I don't know. There's not enough or it's not done right or something. Like I said, I just didn't connect with it. There's a guy in the movie that shows up for one of the games drunk and ends up pissing himself on the ice in the middle of a hockey game. That's not funny to you. I don't know how to explain life to you. See, the guy, the guy pissing himself was funny, but it, it like it wasn't that funny. It's it was pretty like, funny. Yeah, no, pretty. What's not funny about that? I was gonna say, pretty funny is a good description. It was pretty funny. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's. That's the way I would describe most of it. Okay, well, this is pretty funny. That was pretty violent. <laughs> like, but you don't ever go, yeah, fuck that, yeah, ha, ha, ha. You know, you know, that's just, that's uh, no, not. Contrarily, I would say, yes, I do do those things. No, no, you, you do do those things. And once again, I'm not saying this is not a funny movie or that this is not a good movie. I'm saying I did not get much out of it. Yeah, I thought you would have liked all the like all the violence. I really thought I was going to like this movie too. I just something about it. It didn't click. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand how that's possible. Could it be the abundance use of gay slurs in this movie? That's that's quite possibly part of it. <laughs> Pretty cringy. <laughs> it, it is from I uh, can I okay. It it was the I mean, I'll just say it was the 70s and people No, I agree with you. It's completely But I will th- I do think Paul Newman's character is hugely progressive for the time because not only is he seem to be very accepting of gay people, but in a, in a way that would probably be frowned upon now, but at the time would have been acceptable. He totally uses other people's prejudice against them. Do you know what I mean? Like the first scene with that hammerhand guy that he's the goalie that ends up attacking him and diving into the bench and his skates go way up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but he took like that guy, the, the, the story behind that guy is that his, his wife was sleeping with women and he somehow thinks that makes him gay. So he became an abusive husband and Newman's character totally uses that against him. Knows he can drive him nuts and actually like, and he refers to him as like, Oh, he's an ape. I knew I could get under his skin that way. Right. Like he totally uses that against them, so not only it does he demonstrate a uh, an acceptance of anybody who's like gay or whatever, but he is also he look he being our point of view character looks down on those who have a problem with gay people and uses it against them, which I think is pretty hilarious. Now again, 2019 people would say, well, you're supposed to teach them not to hate gay people instead of using it against them. But 1977, that's pretty progressive to at least have the hero character be the one that's you know, pro-gay or has pro-gay rights, I guess, is the way I would word it. Oh, yeah. Because even the the scene when he, uh, the scene where he finally meets the owner and she is like, She's this prissy, like, high-up woman. <laughs> he totally just tells her her kid's gay just because he knows it'll drive her nuts, not because he has any problem with gay people. And I like the way he digs that into her. <laughs> yeah, I just seem to notice, like, right at the beginning, I'm just like, Jesus. Just... Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, again, it's a movie of its time, and definitely... Even the language against the, the Canadian French guys is not acceptable. 
Like it's, <laughs> I wouldn't say this stuff on the street because some of the more subtle jokes about the guy being French, like when he's on the, like on the talk show and he has trouble understanding people and stuff. Like you're like, okay, that's kind of a funny, like he's a fish out of water type character. But then when they just start yelling at him on the ice and you're like, oh, for God's sake, you can't, you can't say that. <laughs> yeah, but I think I fall with no on this one. Just didn't do it for me. You're both really, really wrong, just so you know. That's fine. What I should technically be doing is every time you try to talk, I should just be cutting you off and yelling, I'm listening to the fucking song! <laughs> that is the appropriate way to cut off somebody who's saying something you don't want to hear. <sighs> Anything else? Oh, yeah. Uh, comic book nerdery aside, Captain Hook, that character, yep. his, his face was used as the model for... Uh, the original artist who did Wolverine in the comic. Oh, book. seriously? Yeah, that's why. If if you look at him, you're like, oh, holy shit! No, I do see that. <laughs> yeah, no, I see it totally. Like I've yeah. thought he looked like a good Wolverine in the past. I just didn't know there was an actual connection. Yep, yep. That character was actually he used his face from this movie as the model for Logan. Hmm. That's fucking cool. That's all right. Well, why don't we fast forward about 45 years? Is that about right? That's about right. To Slapshot 2, starring Steve Whoa. Baldwin. Yeah, let's talk about that. How does that happen? <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've seen Baldwin that movie once. It's, it's every bit as good as you expect it to be, just so we're clear. Uh, uh, but no, yeah, I think that that's just the back when they were making direct video sequels to everything that they could get the rights to and somebody did this mm. one. Well, I obviously didn't watch it because why would anybody? But <laughs> Because it came free when I bought the 25th anniversary of Slapshot on DVD. That's why yeah. somebody would watch it. <laughs> so, okay, then maybe you can uh, maybe you can clear this up. So in the description... It says that the Hanson brothers are still on the same minor league team they were on in the first one. Mm-hmm. But that team folded. Yeah. So how does that make any damn sense? It doesn't. Well, I don't want to talk about Slapshot, too. Filmmakers. <laughs> I you follow Paul your own continuity from one movie to the second movie. I blame Stephen uh, Baldwin. I blame Stephen Baldwin, too. Uh, well, Noah, why don't you tell us about uh, Goon, since you said you're a big fan of it. All right. So Goon is about uh, Stifler, uh, who is a guy working security jobs at night, who has a best friend who is one of the most obnoxious characters ever put in a fucking movie ever. Which I think is, is, which is sort of the point. Yeah, which is sort of the point, but... I see you, you guys think, I don't think he was trying to be likable and accidentally came across as yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, but so, so fucking abrasive. Uh, they're both hockey fans. Uh, one night, uh, Stifler kind of gets discovered in his capacity to uh, beat the holy shit out of people. And he is brought into the hockey team as a uh, enforcer. A.K.A. Goon. Oh, they used the name of the movie. 
to uh, beat the holy shit out of people and draw penalties and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's really good at it. He gets bumped up to semi-professional, right? Where his yeah. entire job is to kind of watch the back of a guy who was pro, who kind of took a really bad injury and is now having some team functionality problems. Uh, they all learn to be a better team. And uh, yeah, it's it's a great story, which is it's kind of like bittersweet and sad in this weird way that you have this, this kind of sweet, but dumb guy who's really only good at one thing. And that thing just happens to be very unpleasant. And so the few people in the world, he wants to be proud of him aren't because of the nature of the one thing he's good at. But what what the fuck else is he supposed to do? Yeah, and that's uh, and that's pretty much the movie in a nutshell. Yeah, like the the arc that his character goes through is about him trying to find himself, and through this weird like Armageddon like thing where it's easier to train somebody to play hockey than it is to train a hockey player to fight. They uh, they help him figure out his place in the world, um, and kind of earn his own little kind of earn his his own spot. And he has to leave behind his old life, which is like his parents who want him to be a doctor. <laughs> which, like this, they make it pretty clear up front: this character is not going to be a doctor. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, I mean that—that's this movie is all about him finding his arc, which is kind of typical for you know a comedy about a guy in his twenties or whatever. It's a, it's a pretty normal thing to have, but it's handled pretty well in this movie. I think mm-hmm. he. Like the dramatic side of this film, I think works really, really well. Right, right, it really does. And the relationship with him and the uh, he meets a girl and kind of has this weird, awkward romance with her. <laughs> awkward is the correct word in that sense. Right. Everything Sean William Scott does in this movie is awkward. <laughs> right. It's just this. The whole thing's fascinating. I don't, I don't know. I like all of it because it's also realistic. Like this girl who has a boyfriend who clearly likes him more than the boyfriend, but feels guilty so she won't break up with the boyfriend. And he's one of those people that's so fucking nice that he's going to accept the fact that she's not leaving her boyfriend for him, even though he knows that she likes him. So he's just kind of all tore up inside about it and can't do anything about it. Yeah. And the fact that like his uh especially at first and even in the later part of the movie, Le Flemme <laughs> like his teammates uh treat uh Sean William Scott's character kind of like shit. You know, because almost you know what I mean, because he's a goon and he's a, a mm-hmm. lesser. And I think they all come around to the fact that, you know, he he might be out there, you know, beating people up and pulling penalties and stuff, but it's, it's like, it's what he fucking does. And he does it for them. He doesn't do it for himself. Yeah. He gets, what is it? Upgraded to assistant coach and then assistant captain. captain, Sorry. I'm I'm confusing it with the last movie where the coach also played hockey as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So assistant captain, which means, uh, the French guy that you just said his name. 
uh, gets demoted, which kind of puts sort of like a friction between them. But then, yeah, Stifler has to tell him, like, no, like, I don't care about that. I'm just here to make sure you don't get hurt and you can score goals. It takes them forever to kind of work that relationship out. Uh, I will say there are a couple moments. So, so once again, this movie sold as a comedy. I have a really fucking hard time calling this a comedy. It's, it, it has. It's a comedy. It's also a drama, though. I yeah. Think. See, I would say it's a drama that has a little bit of dark comedy in it, but it's probably lighter on the comedy than it is the drama stuff. Yeah, but every time Jay Baruchel's on screen, it becomes <laughs> a full-fledged slapstick comedy for a few minutes. Right. But, uh, like, there are two or three moments in this movie that I've I've seen this movie several times now, and they still... I tear up a little bit a couple times during this movie because it's like, oh, that hurts so bad. Like, the, the dinner scene with him and his brother and his parents. Yeah. Where, where he's basically having to scream at his parents that he's stupid. Where he's like, I'm, I'm fucking stupid. How do you guys not get that I'm fucking stupid? Like, yeah, be proud of me. Like, I, I'm successful. You know? Isn't it super weird that they went and they got like... So they got Sean William Scott and then they got Eugene Levy playing his dad. And there's no comedic moments between those characters. It's only <laughs> serious drama moments. And they're handled really well. Both those guys can handle the dramatic acting. Uh, but it's just super surprising to me that there's not a, like, Eugene Levy doesn't have a joke in this movie. He's never the butt of a joke. Uh, I, I would argue he Eugene has, Levy has one joke. Yeah. What's his joke? I'm, I'm going to tell him, no, I'm going to assume it's the same one you're thinking of. When they're walking out of the church in the the guy's like, you said your son was single, and you know, the son's oh, gay, and yeah. Eugene yeah. Levy gives that great awkward oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. and I thought he was. And then the boyfriend right. shows up, but they start kissing, like, they're just friends. Close friends. <laughs> it is, and I, like, I thought that was kind of a neat way for them to edit in, like, to have the the more traditional, like the conservative parents having the problem with the gay son is the more traditional storyline to have that as kind of a background one to them having a problem with the stupid son who plays hockey. I thought was kind of, cause you can see the correlation, right? They go aside, but the, it's the two stories would, are the exact same. There could be another movie of this about a, a gay guy whose parents don't accept him. Who also has a brother that plays hockey. You could make that movie as well. <laughs> um, and so I, like, I thought that was a kind of a nice way to edit in. Oh yeah. Just a, just a decent message that really doesn't have a major plot influence. Yeah. I can, I can see that where he's like, I don't know. My jock brother plays hockey. We don't really, we don't really get along that well, <laughs> but, then he, but then he finds out that someone, someone threw the, the gay slur around. He's like, my brother's gay, and then beat the shit out of him. And he's like, oh, you did that for me? And then they become like best friends after that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the relationship between the brothers is kind of, it's not explored in the movie, really. But you can tell that they kind of, them being the next generation, they're all like, yeah, it's okay that we're different and we just want to do our own thing and the family should all stay together. And it's the more conservative parents that are like, no, 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 we should everyone should follow in the like the dad's a doctor all the sons should become doctors they should all follow that traditional line 
Yeah, and and even then though, there's still that really good dig where the dinner scene, you know, the parents kind of storm out, and he looks at it, you know, the the gay brother looks at him and says, "I just want you to know that I am, you know, proud of you and all this kind of stuff." Yeah, and then he goes, "But I'm going with mom and dad, you know, they, they've got my passport and and <laughs> you know this, and it just gets up and walks out too." <laughs> Well, they, they had Which, fast forward. There's great, not a lot of options. Well, well, it's one of those great where it's like this side-handed dig where you're like, okay, well, at least he has, you know, one family member that really cares about him more than, you know, everything else. And it's like, well, well, he cares about him, but he's clearly more worried about himself than his brother who's sitting there clearly wounded and needing some yeah. company. No, and I mean one of the secondary messages of this movie is about how you find your family, right? Because obviously when Doug's down and out in the movie, he, uh, he doesn't turn to his family. He turns to his friend, right? And later it, be- it becomes that friend who's supportive of him the entire time. We also learned that friend is supportive of many people and often in weird ways. Um, when he starts talking about wanting to go see his cousin strip, but <laughs> Um, they, they, I, sh- I should be grossed out by it, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, but yeah, like we we see that. Yeah, it's it's part of his arc is realizing like he's probably never going to fit in with that dad. That dad is never going to be supportive of him, even though he's doing the right thing. Uh, which is, it's a really interesting take. Because the, the typical traditional movie storyline would have him, would have the dad come around, right? Mm-hmm. But this one, when the dad storms off, he storms the fuck off. He's gone. <laughs> so there you go. And the brother, I think, does come back at the end, right? For the final game. Yeah. But the dad doesn't. Um, so it's like, yeah, those parents are never going to come around to the fact that you're you. You got to go do your thing. Um, and you get, it's it, he's growing up, right? He's got to go learn to be himself. He, I mean, by the end of it, he's now like this heroic figure, but he does live in a whole other country from his family, and he's got this new family, which is the team, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it, I, I forgot to bring up that, uh, fuck, what, what's his face? Sabretooth, leave Schreiber. Thank you. Uh, so Sabretooth, because <laughs> famous people aren't allowed to have names. They are boiled down to one thing they did in the past. Uh, I just love that that's what you go to is Sabretooth from like the worst X-Men movie. <laughs> that's that's the best Sabretooth. That's, yeah, that's, that's what he gets. He gets the worst thing. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. It's not his fault. He's a great actor who was in hey, a shitty know, you know, movie and he should be ashamed. It's 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 baby steps, right? That's how he learned how to play a Canadian, and he does it quite well in this movie. Right. Uh, who plays kind of the old guard enforcer who's on his way out. And I, I mean, I think we can say that this movie is actually kind of like Rocky and a hockey movie had a baby, right? There's elements of that, yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, I I think that's kind of it. Less training montages and and more the the ordinary guy, kind of rising up and and proving that he can hold his own. Yeah, 
but I think there's also a whole thing where this movie came out in like 2011. So whereas like Slapshot took place in the 70s when violence in hockey was very prevalent, by the time this movie came along, the Enforcer is a dying breed of people, right? They're, they don't really exist anymore, not in this sense that they are presented in this movie. And so I think this movie was the Lee of Schreiber character being older, being on his way out of the game. That was meant to represent the entire concept of enforcers going away. And I think it's, uh, I think it's handled really well. I think he's a really, really interesting character um, because like when, like when he has that scene where he starts giving advice to Doug in the diner or wherever they meet up, and you see, you hear him say things. He says like, you know, they only love the soldiers until they come back from war. And he knows, he knows that the minute he stops fighting, he no longer has a place on the team. And the minute he no longer has a place on the team, nobody's going to give a shit about him anymore. And I, I think I kind of equated his character to uh, Mickey Rourke's character from The Wrestler. It's like where he knows he could just quit right now like he's at this point in his career he's been tossed out of the the majors they don't call it the nhl but that's clearly what it's meant to be um and he's playing in the minors again and he you know a lot of guys would say just just fucking hang it up man but he doesn't want to hang it up he doesn't want to walk away he wants to go down swinging and in that final fight, I feel like he would have, when he backs off the referees, when it's finally him and Doug Glad fighting in that final game, mm. and the refs come in to break it up, and he just looks at that ref and he goes, don't you fucking dare. I think he would have kept doing that until he lost that fight. I think he's a really, really interesting character in that sense. I think, you know, either he had to oh, be... Yeah, because, well, and he was, he said in the diner scene, he's talking about the fact that he didn't, he didn't want to go out, like, the easy way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he wanted, he was basically telling Doug he wanted to go out on a stretcher, you know, because he wanted to go out fighting. Yeah. And so, I, like, I feel like when he, when he says to Doug Glad, he says, if it's ever me and you, I'll lay you the fuck out. Uh, I think he means it. And I think, like, if, if he'd won that fight, <laughs> I think he would have played another season to see who the next guy could come along until somebody took him out. I think that's what he, that he, that's all he knows. It's all he knows what to do, and it's touched on in the uh, in the sequel. Actually, if you ever get around to watching it, um, it's touched on that he like he couldn't give up the fighting at the end of it because he's because he knows nobody's going to give a shit about him the minute he's not fighting. And I, I found it fascinating. I really like that character. He's like the most complex villain we've like we've talked about a movie in a long long time because he's not really well, a villain yeah i was he's gonna just, say but he's not yeah he's not a villain like they go out of their way to show like he injured the phlegm earlier with a headshot which ironically in 2011 probably wouldn't have been considered as big a deal as it is today they're really that's really like something that they're cracking down on now and then he had his like his the incident that got him picked out of the league and we see that on camera and that's inspired by something that actually happened in the NHL involving certain players. And uh, so that they try to paint him as though he's this over the top villainous guy, but because we actually spend time getting to know him and talking to him, we, we realize that it's, it's not just that he's not just a goon. He's a human being. Yeah. 
I thought it was, I, I thought it was funny that like in a hockey movie, the only thing they're really building up to is this fist fight that's going to happen between him and Stifler. Yeah. There's no like, well, is the team gonna win? Are they gonna like win well, the championship? It's like that nah, doesn't matter. I kind, we'll I kind of like it because it, it doesn't boil down to, is is the team gonna win? It boils down to, is is Doug going to be able to do the thing that Doug needs to do, in the game? Does, does that make sense? Because yeah. like the movie ends with the team kind of winning the game almost off screen with Doug back in the locker room, horribly beaten and with a broken ankle saying, you know, I, I think I did it. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like it, not it's even, his, and he doesn't story. even know if he won. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's his story. It's not the team's story. So it's not about the team winning or losing. It's about him pulling off, what he could do. And at the same time, it's also about him earning the respect of his teammates. It's, it starts with like, you know, like he gets there and like uh, Gordy, who's like the older like guy, the team captain, he obviously has a natural respect for Doug, but then some of the other guys don't and they all kind of come together and it ends with obviously the phlegm uh, developing that respect for him and appreciating what he does. And you, you see it's the phlegm that helps him off the ice after the fight with uh, Leo Schreiber's character. Yeah. I think we're talking about this movie very, very seriously, which is good. The movie deserves that. But like, if anybody who's listening to this hasn't seen it, it is a comedy film. So right. they do a really good job, I think, of punctuating all of the... Uh, when there's dramatic scenes happening, they throw in jokes. Um, so probably some of the best examples are when he's got the scene where his coach sits him down and starts telling him he's going to... Uh, He's going to have this opportunity to go up and play in the in the, the semis or whatever they're calling it, and uh, like the whole time the coach is like sitting at the bench, and then it's this very serious conversation, and all of a sudden he's just like, "Did you draw that? Is that a wolf?" And the coach is like, "Yeah, well, what's his name? His name's Loopy. You can have him if you want. You can take him with you to Halifax, and you can have him. You can hang him up there to remember your time here." Oh, thanks for loopy, coach. <laughs> I fucking love that line of dialogue. <laughs> and it is just this like stupid, ridiculous conversation that happens to break the tension of the fact that we've been sitting through some exposition for the last minute and a half or whatever it's been. <laughs> I really I really like the fact that in this movie too, they they have a lot of good scenes to punctuate the fact that Doug is is dumb. And <laughs> and do it in a way that that he comes off as dumb and that it comes off as funny that he's dumb but it doesn't come off as the film making fun of Doug for being stupid if if that makes fun if that makes yeah. sense, you know what i mean cuz it's not it's not mean it never feels mean no it just shows him in a sort of in a light that he is uh, uh he's really genuine in like everything he says and means. So yeah. every time like something happens, he usually says thank you to people for stuff that seems ridiculous that people would be thanking people for, but he genuinely means like, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Plus there's that no. scene at the beginning where he, uh, 
he says he's doing the bouncing and he says to that girl he's like oh, i don't know if this is your id like it says you have blue eyes but in the real world you have green eyes and when you see the picture of the id like I forget if it's like a black girl and the picture is a white girl or if it's the other way around, <laughs> but it's like, and I feel like that's, again, he's genuine. He's like reading that thing thoroughly. He's just too dumb to notice that the, <laughs> clearly it's not the same person. Uh, no, I think it, it works. Like, it, obviously it's funny. I think it's funny. But then all of the dramatic stuff like we've been talking about works because like all of the characters are severely flawed, like in a good way. So when yeah. it makes that jump to like more serious stuff, it's not hard to sort of track into that. Like you can easily follow it and just kind of go along with it. Yeah, and I like that which is a hard thing to balance in a movie like this. Yeah, and the fact that it's it's alternating between dramatic and funny. And then it has these hard punctuation moments of just brutal fucking violence, too. Like, it's not like a little bit. Like, some of them are fucking awful. The uh, yeah. the scene in the movie where the, uh, the goalie gets pulled out and Doug's the only thing there to stop them from scoring and, and his team losing the game. And basically, he intentionally takes a puck to the face and then just lays there and basically lets three guys just fucking wail on him. And yeah. it, it's intense. It is It is actually hard to watch Like when you see it happen. And it's like, I've seen the movie lots of times. And every time I'm just like, ow. Like, like you'd be dead if that happened to you in the real world. But it's shot really well, so it does sort of seem like it's actually happening. The, the funniest thing is wa- watching that is brutal. And then you see... At one point, a guy steps on his ankle with a skate, and I don't know why, but every time I see it, my brain goes, cheap shot, motherfucker! You know what I mean? I get all mad about it. Well, you should. I mean... Like, for fuck's sakes, they're hitting him in the face with a hockey stick. You don't need to step on him with your fucking skate. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. I almost want that to be a flaw in the film. I, like... I feel like maybe they're trying to say like, oh, he just got stomped on because he was laying at the bottom of the pile. I don't know. It looks intentional, but maybe, I mean, maybe it's yeah. not supposed to be. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I like to hopefully that it's it, that it's not supposed to be because that's just fucking mean to step on a guy while you're wearing skates. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple other ones too. The the scene where him and LaFlim have been having some problems and basically LaFlim tells him that he's worthless and to and, and in Doug's only weak moment, I think, in the entire movie, he lets that guy through. And the guy really nails LaFlim and cracks him in the head and knocks him out because he's got post-concussion syndrome or whatever. And then Doug kind of snaps out of it and just beats the living fuck out of that guy. Just yeah. like, and you're like, oh my god, I hope he doesn't kill him. Because <laughs> he's just hitting him over and over and over, and there's blood all over the place, and you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, when and when the coach is yelling, like, get him off! And you're like, yeah, yes, get him off! Like, it's, yeah. again, it's really well executed. I think that there's a sense of realism in this movie when they want there to be. And it, like, it starts at the very beginning when you see Doug on skates for the first time, and he doesn't He's not good at it. He looks like a guy that can't skate. And I don't think you can fake that. I think they just put Sean William Scott on skates and he doesn't know how to skate. Um, but there's like, 
it sounds silly, but like when he's trying to skate over to the guys and he doesn't know how to stop, so he accidentally turns in a circle. That's what actually happens if you don't know how to stop on skates. I don't know if you guys know that. And when he falls down and he has to like use the stick to get back up, it's like, yeah, that's what that's what you do. Like it looks like they just threw a guy out there who doesn't know how to skate. And I think all that adds to the realism so that when they get to those violent scenes, I think they're able to incorporate that realism there as well. And it really just, it sucks you right in. The bad news is those guys you just beat the shit out of were your teammates. The good news is, well, at least they were just your teammates. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> You know, my, the dumbest joke in the whole movie has got to be, though, the guy that's trying to give, that's so excited to see Doug and his family come in for donairs. And he first he offers to give away free donairs. Then he cuts himself off and goes, no, just sauce. Then as he's walking off screen, he just goes, water down the donair sauce. <laughs> yeah, water down the I fucking love that guy. I don't know why. I like that. I kind of like, I like the two Nordic guys on the team who just make it their life to make the goalie fucking miserable for some reason. <laughs> And and it doesn't seem to be any real reason. Like they just thoroughly no. enjoy upsetting him. <laughs> and their jokes are atrociously bad. Like when they start telling him he's adopted because they fucked her, they said they fucked his mom and her vagina was too tight, so there's no way a baby could have come out of it. Right. <laughs> it's just like and when they walk through all the details of their jokes, you're just like, stop, like just shut up yeah. already. I love I love the part where they they put the sandwich there and he's like legitimately breaking down because he's like, Oh my God, you guys did something nice and you're always so mean to me and thank you. And I, I can't believe we're finally moving past this and like, we can act like a team. And then they start making mama jokes again. And he's like, God damn it. I knew it. I knew it. And he takes a bite of the sandwich and they go, the mayonnaise is semen. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are probably my favorite. The one scene where they're like, when, when Doug first joins the team, and they're like, we should all sign his dick. <laughs> like, that, seems a little, that seems a little gay. Uh, it's not gay if it's your brother. And that's when Belichick finally gets his little line in, the goalie. He's like, it's gay with a touch of something else, I think. <laughs> I love that. They're like, hey, do it. Take out your dick. Quit being weird. Take out your dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know another character now we're just at this point we're just like you know what else i like about the movie but the uh his name's uh kim and he's like the the guy they say he's just he's just playing hockey to pay for his medical degree <laughs> i really like that character in some of the background scenes where he's like there's the one scene where he gets cut and the guy's trying to like sew him up and he's like just stop it just i'll just do it okay <laughs> he's got a few little moments like that that make me laugh i'm just like and then there's the uh what's what's the blonde guy's name the blonde guy with the short hair who's just like the stereotypical canadian is just always polite and happy <laughs> yeah uh i don't know i don't know the character name yeah i can't remember there's a whole lot more of him in the second movie yeah i might have to watch the second movie this is the first time watch for me so <clears throat> It's really good. Like I said, like I said, I know it's fanboying a little bit, but I think all the all the things they try to do in this movie land pretty well. And the only thing in the movie that I could do without is they could probably get rid of the best friend character and it wouldn't make this a worse movie cuz man, he's abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's he's so, hilarious though. You can't take that away. See, I don't. Is he? Because I mean, it's I it's, mean, it's yeah. funny how abrasive he is. But I mean, literally, I think he's just there to make Doug look that much better. They're like, this is Doug's best friend who's horrible, and this is Doug. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's also like the stereotypical American sports fan. Yeah, uh, and you know, given that the movie is written by Canadians and it's about hockey, so we're just gonna mock you guys a little bit on the side. Well, written by Jay Rochelle as well. Yeah, I I do, but I I love the fact that it comes around too that you know in this one he does his show Hot Ice, which is like a public access slash internet show that he does. It's Wayne's World for hockey, yeah. right? And and. Uh, I mean, we can talk about it a little more later, but it comes back around in the second movie about that because that's even at the time that Goon was being made, that was already a quickly outdating thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's now he'd be just a podcaster by 2019, but right. But it was a good in, the, in the second movie, I do believe his first line is "fucking YouTube." <laughs> 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 yeah, because it was all it was. It was, seems like maybe it wouldn't even didn't even really make sense in 2011 to have him doing his show, unless he was like on a major network. But I don't know. Do you guys still have like cable access TV down there? Bigger cities do. Okay. Mm, yeah, we have one, I think. But I honestly, don't even know like what's on it anymore. Yeah, I think we technically have it, but it's just like. Shows the weather scrolling across, and then it shows the local hockey games. <laughs> all it's for. All right. Well, anything else before we move on? Uh, recommend. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I love this movie. Should yeah. probably point out that the Trailer Park Boys were the booth guys at the uh, Hot Ice TV Studios. There. <laughs> you guys noticed that, but yeah, I don't. I've never gotten into Trailer Park Boys, but even I noticed how. How blatant that was! Yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah, right there." And I don't. I'd, I'd like to get you guys' opinion because you never responded. Leib Schreiber's character in this—did they intentionally try to make him look like that guy from Slapshot? Because it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't see why not. I think they're both yeah. going for the same look. Mm-hmm. I think there might be some like character. Like, I, I'm I'm willing to go on the record and say 100% with surety that Jay Baruchel is a fan of Slapshot, even though I've never heard him say that publicly at all. But I like I think that some of the stuff in this movie is obviously meant as tribute to that. Yeah. But I think you know if nothing else, Dave Schreiber is playing the really stereotypical older hockey player, like him and the guy that plays Gord on the, the Halifax team. I think are supposed to be like the old guard of hockey players. And those guys don't are kind of fading out and don't exist anymore. You know, the drinking in the locker room that Gord's doing, that's, that's less and less common in professional sports, but it would have been probably normal at the time of Slapshot or even like through maybe some of the eighties. Hmm. So yeah, I think they made, they made him look intentionally like an old school hockey player. If that mm-hmm. helps serve your point. No. Right. Yeah. Thanks. Makes sense. I think we also missed the the plot point of the uh, the elder player on the team, who's like the current captain, I guess. 
Yeah. Whose who's every motivational speech pretty much revolves around the fact that he's lost his wife and children. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good... It's a joke they do several times throughout the movie, and it's, it's pretty funny every damn time, just because you keep expecting something else to come out of his mouth, and he's like, you know, ah, I'm getting divorced and I haven't seen my kids, but you know... I get to spend time with you guys. I love that guy. Because even uh, the whatever the hell the kid's name is, the blonde-haired kid that you were you were referencing earlier, he does the total handsome brothers thing where he like just cheers along. Yeah, yeah. A lot of our wives have left us. Yeah, he's doing that thing behind him. It makes me right. laugh. This movie's so good. I'm so glad we got to watch hockey movies this week. <laughs> I figured you'd be excited. I might watch these both again by next week. You might have to hear me babble again. <laughs> All right, see well, you. Okay. you can watch I, the second Goon movie and Slapshot too. I I no, picked these. I can watch the second Goon movie. Of course, I picked these. Doug likes both of them, so I ended up not liking one. So now I'm still batting fifty. <laughs> it's always fifty percent. I don't. You're not batting fifty percent at all. You were over your first 150 picks or something like that. <laughs> incorrect. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, we got one piece of feedback. And it's uh, from somebody we haven't gotten feedback before, which is surprising. Yep. It's probably, like, it's probably just like Eric using a different email address. Probably. Hoping sure this one goes through. <laughs> sure enough, there was problems with this one going through, too. So <laughs> Probably is, Eric. Uh, so Tracy from Cornwall, England, wrote us and said, Brian, Doug, and Noah, thank you, thank you for your time and effort in producing a very entertaining podcast. I don't know what podcast that is, but you're welcome. No, I think she's probably sent this to the wrong email address, uh, but we'll take her for it. Yeah, sure. I've just listened to your latest episode, Darkman Dick Tracy, and through curiosity, found myself scrolling through Netflix to find Abducted in Plain Sight. <laughs> I was sure from your comments on the film that it was a mock documentary, and having not watched it with my own eyes, wish that it was. That's, that's fair. <laughs> I wish those people didn't exist. <laughs> that's for damn sure. I have been avidly watching horror films since getting hooked on Hammer Horror in the 1970s, and I can truly say that nothing has left me feeling shocked, horrified, incredulous, and mouth agape as this this film did. I have too many how and whys to ask, but I will condense it into a WTF. Uh, Parentheses, I'm English, so abbreviated profanity is the best I could do. She is way more polite than our other listeners, you can tell. (laughs) Uh, I may not watch anything that you discuss again, but please continue as you are all, you are all very efficient in persuading your listeners to seek out those hidden gems. <laughs> hidden gems is in quotation marks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, can I ask the, who the person who closes? Who can I ask who the person is who closes the show? Having never been to a drive-in movie theater, as there are none in the UK, thought that he sounded familiar. Um, so, for those who don't know, if you turn it off as soon as the, the outro music starts, there is actually a little closer. Uh, somebody thanking you for your patronage and hopes you have a safe drive home. Which is an old clip from like the 50s or 60s that I just got off of uh, archive.org. Uh, and it's kind of a somewhat inside joke, pretty much only to me, because when we did the Drunken Zombie double features at the theater um, at the end of all of them we would put this little clip of this guy wishing you a good drive home and pretty much nobody would see it because most people would get up as soon as the credits start and just leave and then I would kind of laugh to myself as I stood there watching that guy so again not funny to anybody not even really funny in general but it's just a little thing that I've always liked from the little drive-in things that we did so I just grabbed the audio of it and tagged it on to the end of the show. I like that what you think being funny is is telling people to have a safer at home. Like yeah. that's hilarious <laughs> expecting people not to drive like maniacs. I was like, these people don't even know this is on here. Yeah. So I just translated that over to the show just to keep that keep that ritual running. I like that. I'm only finding out about this now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You said you listened to the show. You don't even have to. You didn't even listen all the way to the end. Um, well, I, I always listen to the end, but I didn't know why it was there. Oh, okay, gotcha. I didn't imagine you sitting there and giggling every time it happened. Like, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and it's just yeah, it's just some old guy with like a pair of horn room glasses on, just staring straight into the camera, wishing you a good night. That's it. So probably not. There's nobody I know. So nobody. Nobody famous, from what I can tell. Uh, they finished up. Sorry, you have Trump. We have Brexit, which is almost as bad, but we do have free healthcare to make up for it. Loving your work. Thanks again, Tracy from Cornwall, England. Uh, that is rough. That your guys' countries have those problems to deal with. <laughs> hey, your your prime minister is under scrutiny too for stuff. Yeah, he, he suggested a thing that's legal but distasteful. Aha! Aha! He's he's actually in trouble for telling one of the people that works for him what to do. That's what our friends... <laughs> Can you do this legal thing? What? Better have some hearings. Must be an election year. <laughs> he that's didn't even say please once. That's pretty much the same story with your guys, right? I think. I wish. It's been like two years, and it feels like it's been ten. <sighs> anyway. Did anybody watch anything this week? <laughs> yeah, anybody watch, you know, let's talk about something good. Anybody watch anything this week? Uh, I watched Goon 2, Last of the Enforcers. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. What'd you think? It's not as good as the first one. No, not uh, nearly as good. Yeah. I kind of like the story arc of it, although... I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. I don't. It yeah, has uh, it has a it has a pretty good ending to it, but it has a whole lot of like superfluous weirdness in the middle bit that I don't really get at all. In in a movie that was awesome for being funny and about people beating the shit out of other people, the second movie seems to like 
gloss over the funny bits and the beating shit out of people bits. And they added this fucking thing where the in between basically every scene, there's this newscast that's supposed to be like the ESPN sports desk, and it has what the fuck is that guy's face from Deadpool? TJ Miller? Yeah, TJ Miller. And he's like, it's not funny. I don't like I, I get what they're going for, but the joke's funny once and they do it over and over and over and over and over and over and I don't I don't get why they thought that that was fucking necessary. Damn you, Jay Burchell. Cashing in on your own good idea. <laughs> trying to make more money. Kind of filmmaker does that. I did like um I don't know the actor's name, but he's Who's the who's the villain in the movie, Noah? Anders Kane. Yeah, but who's what's the actor? It's uh Oh, I can't remember what the fuck his name is. You've been hearing Noah asking for actor names the whole night. How do you expect him to know this? Because it's somebody famous and I should be able to think of it. Uh, I mean no, now now, now he's problem. permanently Anders Kane. <laughs> I know how you like to think of things, but uh, yeah, anyways, I like the villain guy. Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son? Yes, that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. Uh, very, very good in the movie. He He is, and I like the fact that the movie does this interesting thing where you think at the beginning the bad guy is going to be this combo of the new owner of the team and this Anders Kane guy who's his semi-estranged son, and the owner starts pulling strings to really put Anders on, you know, on the team and all this kind of stuff. But that kind of like goes away pretty fast. And it turns out that like the owner of the team, he's not quite so evil as you know, just kind of he was he's one of those parents that just thinks that he knows best for his kid. And even though his kid is clearly miserable and unhappy, he's still pushing him in weird ways and not giving his son any respect and he's not he's like he's not an evil person he's just a really bad parent yeah yeah like and i think that's they were trying to recreate what they had in the first movie just have complex villains which is a lot harder to do in the sequel so they were trying to have like you know these guys that were doing terrible things but weren't necessarily bad people. They were just doing what they thought was best. But it's pretty good. I mean, I like the fact that they brought back Lee Schreiber's character. Although I feel like the the big reveal with his character toward the, the end of the movie kind of uh, sells out the first movie a little bit. Because the whole point was him you know, going out and yeah, you know what I mean? Instead of just drawing it out forever. And then this movie's like, no, he's going to draw it out forever. <laughs> yeah. It does feel, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but that does feel a little bit of a um, Major League Two-ish, where yeah. at the end of the first one, like their whole point was, well, let's rub it in her face since all of us are going to end up being let go anyway. And then Major League Two starts like, hey, we're bringing everybody back. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, and that's... It's, yeah, it's just them reaching for a sequel. Hmm. Um, it's still sort of fun, but it's it, it lacks the heart of the original. Just, just happens when you're 
to sequels. Right. It's just odd. I feel like the whole arc of the like uh Doug Doug gets injured at the beginning of the very beginning. It's not a spoiler, like it's literally in the first five minutes of the movie. Oh, I'm sorry, Doug. I hope you're feeling better. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. But uh so he gets he gets injured and there's this whole weird thing about you know, he's going to have to quit hockey and go get a normal job, and it's terrible and all that. And and I feel like you could have left all that out. I mean, it's a, it's a sports movie, and dealing with an injury would be a good plot, but that's not really what the plot's about. The plot's not about him dealing with the injury. That's just a, a vehicle to explore the fact that he's trying to deal with being a hockey player and you know, li- living his new life with his now permanent wife slash girlfriend. And which is way more interesting in comparing that to, you know, the violence, which now this movie's kind of doing maybe a little bit more of the slap shot and the ideas that violence is ramping up in the sport because now you have this new breed of of enforcer that instead of just being an enforcer, they're also, you know, the, the main scorer and they're brutal and they're this and they're that it's the typical modern day super sports star asshole guy, instead of, you know, a functional member of a cohesive team. I don't know. I feel like they, they put too many plates up in the air and couldn't keep them all spinning. Yeah, it's not unfair. Sequelitis. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it's probably worth a watch, but if if you're hoping it's as good as the first movie, no, it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's on Netflix, so I'm sure I probably will, just because I did enjoy the first one, but lower expectations. All right. Anything else, Noah? Nope. That's that's actually (laughs) all I watch. We are working on a, a shortened week here. To accommodate every time there's a Marvel movie that comes out, we got to screw up our schedules. So. <laughs> I can't go on Fridays. People annoy me too much on opening night. For some reason, people haven't realized the movies actually start coming out on Thursdays now. Don't tell them all. Plus, the Captain Marvel hate machine. Uh, I might, I might have to go see it five times this weekend just, just to fucking spite those people, even if it's bad. <laughs> I just, I don't even fucking care anymore. I'm so sick of people, like... I don't understand the thing where, like, a movie comes out and people decide they hate it, and then they, like, have to, like, go and, like, they they put up, like, fake reviews and everything when they haven't seen it yet, and I'm like, like, there's movies that come out that I don't want to see, and I just don't go see them, and that seems to solve the problem. Well, this is the weird breed of troll baby that for some reason can't handle women being superheroes. And so they don't want their films to succeed, so they won't make them anymore. It's yeah. very strange. I don't. None of it makes sense to me. I don't... Again, if you don't want to see a woman superhero movie, you don't have to. It's, it's okay. Right. Don't go. Yeah, I saw one who, who posted something along those lines, and I was like, because he, he was doing the SJW thing. Oh, it's just an SJW movie. And I was like, everybody said the same thing about Black Panther. And Black Panther was awesome and made a bajillion dollars. <laughs> so I, I highly doubt that you're bitching about it. It's going to stop this from being popular and making a bajillion dollars. 
And he was like, yeah, nobody said that about Black Panther. You're making that up. And I was like, no. like that." It seems like everybody says that about every movie now, too. That's the thing that's frustrating to me is like, can I just go and enjoy a movie and not have somebody tell me why it's like evil on, like, on either side mm-hmm. of any issue? Just, just let me just go enjoy it. Right. Yeah. If, if you like it, great. If you don't like it, at least give cohesive reasons why you don't like it. Yeah. And, and now, the other side of it is just so we're clear, if you do go see Captain Marvel and you don't like it, you're not a bad person or a sexist for just not liking the movie. If you just decide you don't like it after you've seen it, that's fine. And again, yeah, but then just don't reasons. don't make it your crusade to tell everybody that it's horrible and they shouldn't go see it with every waking breath that you have. Yeah. Cause then, right. Like just and if you do see it and it is terrible, you have every right to like make fun of it. So long as you're not being a complete fucking asshole about it. Or be yeah. an asshole, but do it somewhere where I don't have to see or hear you. <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> That's this is really selfishness on my part. I don't want to deal with all this stuff. <laughs> Anyways, we should move on. This is the most pointless of our conversations yet. Well, what did you watch, <laughs> Um, what did I watch? Not much because of our shortened time frame. I just watched, uh, I'm keeping the train rolling of watching weird fucking documentaries on Netflix. <laughs> um, Finders Keepers is the documentary that poses and attempts to answer the question if you leave a severed limb in a storage locker. And you don't pay your bill, so the storage locker is auctioned off. Does the person who bought your storage locker get to keep your severed limb or not? <laughs> and that's what this is about. Is It's apparently a true story. And what's the answer, Doug? God damn it. <laughs> they do end up... It, in this documentary, they end up going on one of those judge TV shows. And... The results are that the guy who purchased the storage locker is granted monetary damages, but the other guy gets to keep his own severed limb. So, spoiler alert, that's where that goes. But uh, as with any documentary, it's not so much like you could tell that story in a couple of minutes. Um, it's getting the characters involved and, you know. So far, you've got the two main characters are a guy who forgets his severed leg in a storage locker and another guy who buys that storage locker and is willing to fight to keep that leg. So do you think you're getting some interesting characters out of this documentary? I was going to say, the, the the guy that's like, nah, I bought that that storage locker fair and square from the auction. The severed leg is mine. Obviously, has to be an interesting character for a documentary. Yes. <laughs> So he like he his whole thing is he can make some money off of this, right? He can put the severed leg on display and he can so it's kind of mummified, so it's gross and he's like people might want to pay to touch it. <laughs> um and it's the other guy is obviously not healthy. He lost the leg in question in a plane crash where his father was also killed. So for some reason he kept the leg. <laughs> like did a home mummifying job on it. And that there was a, it, the film gets oddly deep into the opioid crisis by accident. 
It's a 2015 film, so back before anybody was talking about the opioid crisis, really. Um, this guy got hooked on his painkillers after his leg was severed, and it really ruined his life. <laughs> and this movie follows this, like, basically he, he shows back up in town when, like, the story comes out that this guy found a leg in a storage locker, and he's like, that's my leg, can I have it? Um, and the other guy's like, no, which I think surprised everyone. <laughs> And so we end up following these two guys and it's the one guy, it's actually like, it ends up being his journey of recovery. Like this whole thing ends up being about him getting past his addiction, reconnecting with his family, actually like seeking help to deal with these, what's come from the death of his father in this plane crash and the death of like, when you lose your father and your leg in the same plane crash, it's going to have an impact on you. And if you don't deal with that, it messes you up. Right. And meanwhile, the other guy, it's kind of a, almost a bit of a downward spiral for him because he, he catches the fame buzz when his name starts showing up in the paper because he found a leg. And he's trying to find his own ways to be uh, to get rich and famous. And by the end of the movie, we see his like it's, a, it's having a negative impact on some of his relationship with his family. So it's super interesting, but everybody in it is fucking weird. And it's like it's hilarious to listen to them talk and to try to explain their positions on these matters. Like, imagine like a guy trying to just explain, you know, why he should legally own somebody else's severed leg, which blew my mind. Nowhere in this did, did they bring up like, isn't it illegal to buy and sell human body parts? Is that that's got to be a law, right? Uh, yes. It must be, right? I, I don't I know. know. You can't sell anything body-related over eBay for such reasons. Okay. So, there you go. I guess this maybe if you buy it in person, there's less paperwork. I don't know. It's like a gun show loophole, but for yeah. human legs. Let's see what the Google says. Is it illegal to purchase human... Body parts in the United States. Hey, what's that siren in the background, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> That's quick. Uh, well, here we go. Um, says in the headline, it's easy and legal. God damn you, Ad. It's easy and legal to buy and sell human body parts in the U.S., all right. Um, let me see what it says. Uh, is this a whole article? Why can't it just be simply stated? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, it is. If a medical facility is selling body parts, then they can be purchased, which is a weird. Oh, is that thing. like for? Uh, trying to find the sentence where they just sort of sum the whole thing up, but. This is like a fucking long ass article. The minutiae of purchasing body parts. Pretty much. Well, it feels like it, maybe it should be a complicated question. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe there shouldn't be a one line answer to that question. <laughs> Anyways, continue on. I'll right. try to find a definite answer for this. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely recommend the documentary Finders Keepers. Um, like I say, it's just, it's just weird to see these guys do this. It's pretty interesting. There's like a whole. There's this other chick that shows up in the documentary. Um, she like her thing is that she prepares bones for like to make them better to display. 
when she finds out about this story, she like voluntarily inserts herself into it because she like wants to help this guy get his leg ready to be displayable. Which she needs her own documentary to figure that shit out. I don't know what's wrong with that girl. I don't know how you describe that hobby, but like at one point they actually ask her like, "What is this you're doing?" And she's like, "Oh, there must be a name for it, but I don't know." And it's like, "Wait, so like nobody even taught you how to do this? You're self-taught on cleaning human bones? That's weird. That's super weird. I'd like to know what's going on with her." Um, yeah, and the one really uplifting thing about it, the part that blew my mind, so they go on this like judge show and they're like they have their little fake court session and there's clips of it in the thing apparently the one guy who's hooked on like opioids the judge recognizes it from like their from the courtroom and goes to his producers and is like we gotta do something about that guy like he seems really unhealthy and the producers of the show actually like pull the strings necessary and pay for him to go into like an expensive rehab to get his life back in order and I'm like, that's pretty cool. You don't expect to hear that story from like producers of like cable television judge show. So I was pretty happy that that happened. I wish I could remember the name of the judge so I could give him credit, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch those shows. I don't know whichever one was it was. Judge Joe Brown or Judge Mathis? See, I don't know if you know what the term I don't know means. <laughs> well, I just told you I don't know. Follow-up questions are not going to help in no, this scenario. I thought, I thought maybe if I said their name, it would spark something. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, it was definitely that one. I, I do not know his name. Okay. It's not one of the ones I've ever watched, and I don't watch very many. So well, I did find know. something that says selling hearts, kidneys, and tendons for transplant is illegal. But no federal law governs the sale of cadavers or body parts for use in research or education, few state laws provide any oversight whatsoever, and almost anyone, regardless of expertise, can dissect and sell human body parts. Okay. And that's from uh, Rooters, so... Seems like they should know what they're talking about. Yeah. That surprises me, but... Me too. Okay. I thought there'd be, like, a lot of rules about it, but... Apparently not. Apparently you could just stumble across a body and sell it off. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Now, like, if I'm bored tomorrow, I can just go body hunting and try to figure <laughs> out. Anything else? Uh, no, that was literally all I watched. Lord, how did I watch more than both of you combined? I don't know. Well, you're the one that made us change dates. We all thought we had more time. Maybe that's it. And I didn't do jack shit this weekend. I literally sat in my living room the entire 48 hours. Uh, let's see. First that's, off... That's the real answer as to how did you watch more than us yeah sorry, sorry for leaving the house brian i know how upsetting that is yeah. to you i played a bunch of video games and watched a bunch of movies and that was about it uh let's see me and amanda went and saw green book uh not really a movie to, to like get deeply into here but i enjoyed it but uh black musician in the 60s who hires a white italian guy to drive him around the south and uh, all the problems that ensue, based on a true story. Apparently, one best picture of the Oscars. I don't see why there would be any, yeah. any stress in that scenario whatsoever. I don't know what the attention <laughs> of the film would be. Yeah, the title actually comes from apparently a book that really existed for black folk who could. It basically tells you hotels that uh, is acceptable for you to stay at. 
uh, witch towns had sundown laws, which means when the sun goes down, black people weren't allowed in the town and other such quandaries. I don't want those laws to have existed. I know. And so basically it was just a, like, here's a guide to avoid getting in trouble. Which actually doesn't uh, doesn't play as much into the movie as I thought it would. Hence, I mean, considering this the name of the movie, but you know they sort of talk about it at the beginning, and they have a copy of it with them on this trip. But it's kind of about it. But it's a good movie. Enjoyed it. Viggo Mortensen is a chameleon as always. He uh, definitely put out a bunch of weight for this movie, and it's just weird kind of seeing fat Viggo Mortensen walking around. That is a little weird. <laughs> but yeah, worth a watch if anybody gets a chance. Barely enjoyed it. Uh, let's see, I watched a documentary called All the Colors of Giallo, which, as it sounds like, is a documentary about Giallo movies. Uh, the entire movie is subtitled, so hopefully you'll be in the mood to read if you're uh, going to watch it, which is not a problem for me, but for some people it is. Uh, since I already know about Giallo, I didn't learn a whole lot of new stuff. Like I was kind of hoping to, but they kind of just break down some of the big players in the Giallo uh, uh, subgenre. And then go over sort of their notable movies and stuff. Uh, you know, if you don't know a whole lot about Giallo, it's worth a watch. Like I say, I already knew plenty, didn't really learn a whole lot, but yeah, I still, still enjoyed hearing people talk about like Argento movies and. Fulci movies and all that stuff. So, naked ladies and close-ups of black gloves. Pretty much. And then, because I watched this, I felt like well, I need to watch a Giallo movie now. And so, I watched uh, "Your Vice Is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key," which is this. Uh, so, is this writer who's sort of down on his luck? Like he hasn't written anything in like three years. Uh, doesn't seem to be getting along with his wife very well. They live in this big house, and apparently all he does is host orgies and then drinks a lot, and that's pretty much it. Sounds like a pretty good movie. <laughs> uh, but the orgies are with the weird hippie people that live on a mountain like a mile away or something. It's very strange. Hey, not hippies. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, so there starts to be like a couple women get murdered in this town and he becomes the prime suspect. And so the police are kind of stopping by to talk to him and he's just like, ah, I have no idea. And then says like his wife can vouch for him that he was at home, even though he wasn't at home because he is very open about the fact that he just goes and cheats on her all the time and she's fine with it seems like so this starts this whole thing with the police but then about halfway through the movie his niece comes to visit and he mentions it's his sister's daughter then he spends the rest of the movie trying to sleep with her and successfully does at some point but then also she at the same time is sleeping with his wife her aunt by marriage it was all very, very awkward and weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's still, like, more deaths. And, you know, the police are trying to see, you know, get his alibis and stuff like that. And 
Yeah, it uh, just goes on and on with some killer stalking women and killing them. And we don't know if it's this guy or not, or is it the niece who came to town, or is it his wife who's very unhappy with him? Like, you know, this sort of plays out through the whole thing. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it was good. I enjoyed it. It is exactly what I wanted, which was a Giallo movie. And that's what I got. So enjoyable watch. Uh, the last movie, uh, I watched uh, The Equalizer 2 with Denzel Washington. Okay. Uh, enjoyed the first one. Thought the first one was good. Uh, the second one, maybe not as good, but still enjoyable. Uh, if you're a fan of like the John Wick movies, this is basically old man John Wick. Where yeah. Denzel Washington was a uh, like black ops, like super, super secret, you know, missions and stuff. Back and in the then day. they killed his pet hamster. <laughs> no, uh, in the first movie we found out he's legally dead. Even like his really good friends didn't even know he was still alive. But now he's just an old man working like a Lowe's. And then you know shit goes down and he has to be a badass again and then in this movie he's just uh either one of you ever watched the equalizer tv show back in the day uh, no. no my mom watched it so i'm aware that it existed but yeah i ever actually sat and watched an episode my grandparents watched it so i watched you know a handful of episodes with them um so basically by the end of the second by the end of the first movie it's sort of set up kind of what the tv show was where He's obviously this guy that's really good at, you know, special ops, like black ops stuff. And he can go in, take out mobsters and like all this other stuff. So he sort of sets it up that he will help just random normal people that are like entrenched and stuff like this. And he obviously has a very special set of skills, not to steal from Liam Neeson, but and he can help these regular people out. So in the second one, he's starts off kind of doing that, um, but then something goes awry, and his basically one of his best friends, who we meet in the first movie, gets killed on a diplomatic mission, and so he starts investigating what happened, and starts uncovering a bunch of crazy stuff that you know nobody's supposed. To. And then they come after him after they find out that he knows. Just it's that sort of thing. It's very like I said, it's very much. Old Man John Wick, which I'm perfectly fine with. Denzel Washington does a great job. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Him setting traps and going after, you know, mobsters or... Um, I don't know what the term is. Terrorists, maybe? But, I mean, they're like that Russian mob-type terrorist. So, I don't know if there's, like, a separate designation for stuff like that it's got to be probably um but yeah i missed it in the theater i was kind of bummed out but voodoo had it on sale so i picked it up give it a watch enjoyed it and uh hope to make a third one see i really uh what's up so i should watch that the first one was pretty good like i have no connection to the source material so i'm just yeah i mean it's completely it's Basically, the idea is, it seems like about is about the same thing, and then it's completely different. Because I just remember on the TV show, some 
it was Alfrey Woodward, the the policeman from The Wicker Man, and he was just just this grumpy old British guy that would help people, like children who've been kidnapped and whatever, what other crazy stuff came out that week in the eighties. Was it similar to the setup where like people came to him looking for help? Yeah, I don't remember like what the gimmick was. I feel like it was like a classified in a newspaper or something. Okay. And then people would, you know, find it and like, I need help, blah, blah, blah. And then he would help them. Sort of like an A-team type thing where, you know, if, yeah. if you know where to look and you know how to find them, you can hire the A-team. It was sort of like that. Um, the, uh, you know, like, like I said, the end of the first movie sort of sets all that up. And I think, if I remember correctly, it ends with him like posting on like a website or something, or he set up a website that he can help people. Uh, weirdly enough, he seems in this movie to get most of his um, cases, if you'd call them that, from being an Uber driver. Like, uh, you know, he goes to one one office to pick up pick up somebody and they bring out this girl that's obviously been drugged like roofied or something and uh tell them to make sure she gets home and whatnot and then uh you see him like drive away looking not happy and then suddenly cut to a bunch of uh dude bro like my dad got me a job on Wall Street type, sitting around in the small apartment. And then there's a knock at the door, and they open it. And like, oh, yeah, the, the credit card didn't go through. And then he basically goes in while they say they'll get another card or whatever. And then basically tells them, like, I know you day-raped that, that woman and videotaped it and all that stuff. So you're going to give me all that stuff before I have to hurt you? And, of course, they're all like, whatever, old man, and then try to jump him, and he just beats the living shit out of all of them. And the one, like, halfway decent guy that, like, put her in the cat in the Uber to begin with, he basically <laughs> leaves him conscious and tells him, like, you're going to have to... I'm going to need you to call 911 and tell them everything that happened here. But tell me, are you left-handed or right-handed? And he's like, what are you talking about? left-handed or right-handed he's like right-handed so he grabs his left hand and then just breaks all the fingers on his on his left hand and then punches him in the face and then leaves so i mean there's like little like sub plots like that that go throughout it but then yeah most of it's him trying to figure out who killed his friend and what sort of government conspiracy they're trying to cover up or get rid of or whatnot sounds good actually yeah. Like I said, I enjoyed it. Hope they make a third one. And then uh, I need to go revisit the first two John Wick movies to get ready for the third one that's coming out. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. So it's happening next week. So next week, we decided we haven't done like some horror horror movies in a while. So I suggested some, and then we thought, well, those are episodes of Masters of Horror, so maybe we should save those for another short week. So I compromised with some comedy horror, and we're going to check out um, Dale and Tucker vs. Evil, which is fantastic. It 
it's also called Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Tucker and Dale, you're right. Now, I said that in my head. I'm like, Tucker and Dale. I'm like, no, that doesn't sound right. Maybe it's the other way. Dale and Tucker? Whatever. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And then follow that up with Cabin in the Woods. I like how your first review of Tucker and Dale versus Evil is going to be about how the name is wrong. Uh, So basically two movies that take... uh, take uh, horror movie tropes and then do everything they can to kind of make fun of that. Which I am totally on board for. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with both of these movies. I'm happy to be re-watching them. Yeah, I haven't watched either one of them in a while. I think uh, um, Cabin in the Woods was just on s- some channel and like I was flipping through the TV and so I was like, oh, we gotta stop because it's it's right at the uh, right at the scene where everything gets unleashed into the organization or whatever you want to call that, it, and that's pretty much like the best scene ever. So, yeah, I haven't actually seen that in a while, so it's going to be fun to go back to. You excited, Noah? I can tell by your silence. He threw himself into the wood chipper. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. As a Club Ireland member, you can experience the beautiful game like never before. Savor the hospitality, the excitement on the pitch, and the best premium seats in the Aviva Stadium from just €100 Euro per match. With three, five, and ten-year Club Ireland membership, you can enjoy exclusive football experiences, priority on away tickets, and an evening with Mick McCarthy. It really is a match day with more. Visit fai.ie forward slash Club Ireland and be at the heart of it all. As a Club Ireland member, you can experience the beautiful game like never before. Savor the hospitality, the excitement on the pitch, and the best premium seats in the Aviva Stadium from just €100 Euro per match. With three, five, and ten-year Club Ireland membership, you can enjoy exclusive football experiences, priority on away tickets, and an evening with Mick McCarthy. It really is a match day with more. Visit fai.ie forward slash Club Ireland and be at the heart of it all.